0: hello and welcome to lighthouse vineyard church we appreciate you joining us through this podcast if you would like to know more about us feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message
1: the only reason i can be head football coach at university notre dame was i have set some high goals nice job Dave. it all occurred in the year 1966 when i was hired by a young man by the name of Marvin Bass to go coach at the University of South Carolina. Wife was eight months pregnant with our third child. We spent every cent we had in the bank for a down payment on the home and we went to South Carolina with great expectations. One month after there, Marvin Bass resigned to go to the Canadian League. Consequently, I was unemployed. At age 28, no money in the bank, unemployed, and your wife expecting her third child, that is a rather dismal point in my entire life. I don't think I've ever been any lower in my entire life than I was at that time. My wife has always been very supportive, but I'll always be deeply indebted to her because instead of complaining, she encouraged me. She even bought me a book. As I read about goal setting, he said, if you're bored with life, if you don't have a burning desire to get up and go do things in the morning, he said, the main problem is you don't have any goals. To really be accurate in goal setting, you need to take a piece of paper and pencil, write down all the goals you wish to achieve. I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I got out of pencil and paper. I started to write down all the things I wish to do. I wanted to go to the White House for dinner. I wanted to be on the Tonight Show. I wanted to see the Pope. I wanted to go to the various continents. I wanted to win the national championship. I wanted to coach at Notre Dame. I wanted to be coach of the year. I wanted to make a hole in one. I wanted to do a lot of crazy things. Jump out of an airplane, land on an aircraft carrier, go on a submarine. And next thing you know, I'm writing down those lists. I got 107 of them. And the more I wrote, the more excited I got. And I went to Moipha and I said, honey, look at this. 107 of those suckers, and we're gonna do every one of them. She said, gee, that's nice. She said, why don't you get a job? (laughs) So we made it 108. And I wanna tell you, my whole life changed. I've taken over five college situations. William and Mary, NC State, Arkansas, Minnesota, Notre Dame. I've never inherited a winning football team. We've never failed to take that team to a bowl game by our second year at the latest.
0: Morning, everybody. Good morning. Hey, Karis. <laughs> Hey, tell you what, it's an honor to be up here in front of everyone, and uh, I hope you're comfortable. These chairs are really nice, because we've got about until 11.30, and then we'll take a five-minute intermission. (laughs) After that, it'll be about another 45 minutes. So, you're good? Okay, good. All right, so... uh, You are just kidding, right? I was kidding. (laughs) We do have a number of new folks here this morning. I'm sorry, I was kidding. I'll... I'll talk as briefly as possible. I try to not go over too long, but anyway. So, Lou Holtz. Does anyone remember Lou Holtz? Lou Holtz fans in here? I don't know if you caught everything he said, kind of jumbled, but I don't know if it was the clearest there, but kind of fun video there. He he's Lou Holtz used to be a college football coach. He's now retired, uh, I think. He's 81-ish in Florida area, and uh, he does motivational speaking. But uh If you caught what he said there, um, he was at a low point in his life, right? And he didn't sit around and wait for something to happen. He was told that if you're not, if if nothing's happening in life, you got to set some goals for yourself. And so he did. He wrote down some crazy big goals. Then he forgot a job at first. Then he had to add that thanks to his wife. Am I a little warm? No, almost sounds like it. Sorry. But anyway, the, the main point of what he was saying there is nothing happened until he actually sat down and wrote out some goals for himself and and put something down on paper. And again, he wasn't at a great point in his life. He was at a low point in his life. He was struggling. I haven't been without a job like he has. So uh, I think we can learn a little bit from that. We're gonna talk about that a little bit more later. But So anyway, it's... It's important to know that at any time in our lives, we can set goals for ourselves. Doesn't have to be when everything's perfect or only at the beginning of the year, which you might realize we're almost at the beginning of another year. But sit down, and make some goals. So you might be thinking, this guy must be good at setting goals, this guy must be good at planning. No, I'm horrible at that, I stink. As setting goals. Just personal note here, I forgot to have anyone scheduled to, uh, have the greeting, to be on the greeting team this morning. So that's, that's why my lovely, my awesome little men, Jer- Jeremy and Jace, are out there this morning. I appreciate it, guys. Now, my saving grace on that is I thought I had scheduled through the end of the year, but I didn't. So I am really bad at planning. Uh, a couple weeks ago, my wife asked me, so uh, what have you been asked to talk about? Uh, when, you're, when you're talking on the, on the 30th. And I was like, um, setting goals and planning. And you know, she laughed really hard at me for like, <laughs> for like, I'm serious, like 30 seconds. And the laughter did not stop. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, it was funny. Because I, I, yeah, it's the truth. I don't plan ahead. My job at work is very fluid. I do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I might draw prints, I might do some R&D, I might go on the floor and do some welding. I help where needed, and I'm usually not required to make plans, and I love that. It fits my, my personality so well. I'll be driving into work thinking, I wonder what I'm gonna do today. <laughs> and I just love that. Now, some of you, especially my wife, don't like that. You wanna, you wanna know what you're gonna do that day. You like to be planned and organized. So why, and you're thinking now, so why are you up there talking about planning? (laughs) Yeah, Clint right here, my man, Clint. Clint is the best at planning and setting goals. I admire that man greatly. Good friend of mine. I've got a lot to learn from him. And it would be better that he would be up here teaching, but the guy needs a break sometimes. (laughs) And and so one of the best ways to learn is to teach. And I think when I was looking into this, I, I learned a lot. And good old Lou was even helping me out too. So, something else that we have, someone else that you have to learn about is a guy in the Bible who set a humongous goal, and he didn't just set a whole, set a goal; he made plans to carry out that huge goal. Then he acted on those plans to carry out that huge goal. And this guy's name is Nehemiah. I don't know if anyone has ever heard of Nehemiah, but today, if you have a Bible, uh, you might want to turn to Nehemiah. It's in the Old Testament. If you don't have a Bible, it's no problem. The verses are going to be up on the screen as well to help you out, follow along. Or if you have a mobile device, you can follow it on there. Nehemiah is uh, the 16th book of the Bible. It's right between Ezra, and Esther, I think. If my elementary song is coming back to me okay. Ezra, Nehemiah. So Nehemiah, um, the story of Nehemiah is really cool. Like I was reading it, and I, was, I didn't want it to stop. It was kind of like thinking I was watching a movie. And so we're not going to go over the whole story today, but, but just a little bit. So the beginning of Nehemiah, he was told some really disheartening news about the, the hometown of his ancestors, that it was, it was in bad shape. So we're going to jump right in to Nehemiah one It should be on the screen. <clears throat> In the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So there you have it. The wall of the city of Jerusalem was in shambles. It was a huge disgrace. And I I don't have anything to relate it to. My hometown is still fine. Um, But but still, to Nehemiah back then, that that was big. And he wanted to do something about it. He knew in his heart that he was supposed to do something about it. After what it says there, he he's mourned and fasted and prayed for several days. So again, he knew that he, he was supposed to lead this charge to go rebuild that wall. So this t- at this time, Nehemiah, I don't, didn't look into it too much to see how old he was or young he was, I guess, but his title was cupbearer to the king in Persia. And if you all know what a cupbearer is, um, it's a pretty important position to the king. The king is pretty much top dog. And the cupbearer was, wasn't just someone that hands him his cup to drink. It, the cupbearer was someone that uh, had to be really close with the king. It uh, could also be you know, an advisor to the king. He would, he would go to that person for advice even. Um, yeah, the position was important to maybe make sure his food was not poisoned. Um, But anyway, Nehemiah had a pretty high position with the king, and he was pretty close with him. Even in, in spite of all that, he wanted to go and ask the king permission to go and take care of Jerusalem, but he was afraid for his life because even though they were friends and they had a close position, the king, if he didn't like the news that Nehemiah told him and was annoyed by him that day, he could have just had him killed just like that. That's how it was with kings back then. Hopefully not these days, but back then it was. Nehemiah didn't back down from that fear. He pushed through. And he knew it was important. He knew he had a goal to accomplish, and so he went and he talked to the king. So, again, we don't have all the time in the world. I know you don't want to be here all day to read the whole story, but I'm going to summarize it as best I can. So, in chapter 2, verse 12... I'm sorry, he did actually get the, the blessing from the king. I forgot to talk about that. The, the king said, yeah, let's do this. I give you my blessing. I'm gonna give you the word. I'm gonna send word ahead of you so that people will have your, my authority and the backing that you need to have materials to build this thing. So in 2 verse 12, we see that Nehemiah went to Jerusalem and he surveyed the situation quietly, it says, at night. He didn't go in with big fanfare and trumpets and say, this is me, I'm here to rebuild the walls. And he, he didn't want to do that because he didn't, he didn't want the word to start getting out and maybe rumors spread up, starting to spread and getting off on a bad foot. So he, he wanted to go and quietly survey, and he did that. So after he gathered all the data and went around the city at night and put a plan together, he presented his goal. So the main goal that he presents is in two Chapter two, verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. How oh, cool! So we set the goal. The goal's been set. People are on board. Let's do it. Immediately, they're met with huge ridicule. There are some uh, governing leaders who are kind of dirty in the surrounding area. They didn't like Jerusalem by the names of Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. They ridiculed him immediately and tried to get the word out there to stop him. Nehemiah answered in two verse twenty, says the God of heaven will give us success. That's all he said. He was firm. He was confident. He had a goal in mind. He said, God's going to give us success. Now, he might have been kind of, oh, I got all these people back here that have signed on to this, and these people are trying to cause fear, but he stood strong. They set out to do the work in chapter three, verse one. Um, There's a picture. You want to throw that up? It's that's kind of what the, the map of the city of Jerusalem looked like, at least the smaller portion that they were rebuilding. And actually around that perimeter is about one and a half miles of walls. And these aren't just little walls built out of two by fours. These are walls that are huge. I, I don't know how tall exactly, but this was a big job. It wasn't just walls they had to rebuild. They had gates and towers, buttresses. I think they even had a dam to repair in there probably, and other things. This was not a small goal. It's like, really? We're going to do all that? I highly doubt all the people in Jerusalem were skilled laborers as well. So they encountered difficulty as they were doing this. Some of the folks that are along with them that are supposed to be helping, I said, we're not going to help. That's got to be frustrating, disheartening. It's like, man, you're supposed to be with us. You got to help. They faced more ridicule from Sanballat and Tobiah The workers' strength was giving out, we read in in chapter 4, verse 10. They got death threats from the surrounding folks. How do you like that? So I'm supposed to rebuild and you're threatening to kill me? What am I going to do? So after they got the death threats, the workers' hope was giving out because of the death threats and because they're getting tired. Nehemiah, even during this time, had to kind of step aside and, and help out with a civil dispute that was going on in the, in the city of Jerusalem. The rich people were taking advantage of the poor people, and the poor people were getting charged unfairly uh, for interest, and they shouldn't have been. So he didn't just say, well, we'll just disregard that. He stepped in and he fixed that too. That's some opposition. Nehemiah's character was attacked. I mean, he's a great guy. He's awesome. He's on, He's on fire with God, but people were attacking his character to try to bring him down. Along the way, not only did they face challenges, they faced, they, had to, they had to revise their plan a little. It wasn't just one single plan, and it, was, and it stayed the same the whole time. Because of the threats of attack, they had to think outside the box. They had to all arm themselves with swords or spears, whatever they had. So people that were using two hands to carry materials now had to just have one hand to carry materials and a sword in the other hand. I mean, can you imagine? Stay away. You know, I mean, they're, they're trying to work and defend themselves at the same time. They had, I doubt they were able to sleep much. They had, it says they had to work by day and guard by night. They had to post guards day and night to keep the folks that wanted to hurt them away. And, and it says in verse uh, 18 of chapter four, every worker carried a weapon at all times. But all through that, because they had a common goal, they stayed united and they got it done. But I don't think they would have gotten it done had they not had a common goal and they had, had they not been following the plans to accomplish that goal. It says in Nehemiah 6.15, so the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. 52 days. When I read that, I said, what? I thought this would have been years, maybe, something like that. But 52 days, that's like seven and a half weeks, not even two months. And if, if you're up on your Hebrew calendar, which I'm not, but I had to look it up, um, when they were told the bad news, when he heard the bad news, that was back in um, Kislev, which would be more in like the end of autumn, beginning of winter time, like a September-ish, november He did a bunch of planning, and six it was about six and a half months of planning before they actually set to the work. And then they finished in Elul, the end of Elul, which is about the end of summer. So just a little interesting point there. And if you put the picture up, you can kind of see what the city of Jerusalem looked like when they had it done. Pretty sure that's not Google Maps back then, but that is a pretty good idea of what the city would have looked like. That's a lot of work. That's a huge accomplishment. What a story. And again, I summarize it like crazy. I highly recommend reading it on your own time. But what if Nehemiah hadn't set that huge goal of rebuilding the walls? What if he hadn't planned well? And what if he hadn't acted on those plans and just said, man, I really hope someone does something about that. Oh, someone really should do something about that. I'm guilty of that all the time. I walk past some piece of trash and think man someone should pick that up. Pick it up. So it's it's really hard for change to happen if we don't set goals, plan and act. So bringing it back into today's day and age, we didn't have walls to rebuild, but here at Lighthouse Vineyard, we I don't not all of you know this, we started out at the Concord Mall, which is that that way, I think if I'm not Turned around a little bit, yeah. That way, someone's helping me out. Whatever, perfect. That way, I don't know. Uh, And we wanted to move here, and and we didn't have 52 days. Now it wasn't rebuilding walls, but we didn't have 52 days. We had the goal was set at 11 days because we wanted to make it happen, and that was an aggressive goal. But it was led well. I didn't lead it. It was Clint. (laughs) That's why. But and it was it was planned out well. We had plans, and we have awesome people that stepped in, and we were on the same we were on the same state of mind. Everybody wanted to help. I, there were probably things that Clint even missed that people just jumped in and helped. We were all united on the same goal. In order for that move to happen, we had to share that same common goal, put a plan together, and act on it the title of today's message is 2019, Goal Setting for God. Uh, and to go along with that title, I got two points. We're going to talk about them pretty quick. But before we talk about those points, I'd like to pray. Father, you are good. You're awesome. And we praise you for your, for your greatness. God, everything that's going on in this life, you know about. And it's all under your control. Things happen in our lives that seem crazy big and they are crazy big to us. And sometimes we we don't plan too well or we don't plan at all. And we might be thinking, man, we should, we should plan a little better or maybe set some goals for ourselves like Nehemiah did. But God, we thank you that, that you understand what we're going through. You understand you know every issue that we have in our hearts and our lives. We ask you right now to come and join us, be with us today, and give us wisdom as we look a little bit more into your word and look towards 2019. In your name we pray, amen. All right, no one's sleeping yet, right? I don't think so. It's really warm in here. Whew. Good thing I wore a long-sleeved shirt. Those incandescents or those LEDs? Krista got me this shirt for Christmas, by the way. (laughs) All right. Stay with me here. Okay, so we can accomplish our goals in 2019 by, you can, oh, so sorry, so you can follow along with your little handout if you got one. It's kind of a fun way for you to take notes if you'd like. We can accomplish our goals in 2019 by partnering with God. By partnering with God. We part, how do we partner with God? Like, what does that mean? We, I, I think we can partner with God by casting all of our cares upon him. So looking back to the story of Nehemiah, what did he do first? Did he jump in and start making a plan as fast as he could? No. He immediately poured his heart out to God. We read in verse 4 of chapter 1, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah was all in. I would have loved to meet the guy. He's probably pretty cool. He's probably a lot like Clint. <laughs> he, he was all in. Like he was, he was driven. And he didn't just sit and wait around. He, he went right away. He casted his cares upon God. He immediately recognized the importance of pouring his heart out to him. Uh, the Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 5:7, says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So important to go to God first with everything, not just the big stuff, but everything. I've been trying lately to, before I even get out of bed in the morning, I say, okay, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start being human <laughs> right now. And I'm gonna put my feet on the floor. I want you to take charge of my day. Go to him first. Bless you. We also partner with God by including him in our plans. Uh, Proverbs 16.3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. Now I want to make sure we're thinking about this here a little bit. Just because we commit our plans to God doesn't mean they're all going to be perfect. We, we've we got to do something in there too. My study Bible has some pretty cool notes and I um, I wanted to note this one a little bit. You can follow, you can write this down if you like, too. It says, trust God as if everything depended on him. Work as if everything depended on us or you to make it more personal. I think, I think it can be to the point where we can just say, well, yeah, God, you do it. I prayed for it, make it happen. No, yeah, you gotta put some skin in the game. You gotta tr- Trust him that it will happen, but you've got to be the boots on the ground. It doesn't happen magically without any effort. So again, right from the get-go, Nehemiah partnered with God. He knew that God cared about his people and his plans, and he wanted him to cry out to him. So it's kind of like, you might be thinking, well, God already knows what my plans are. I don't need to go out and fall on my face and cry out to him. Well, if you have kids, some of us do, it's kind of like, you know, I look at my son Jeremy sitting in the back there and like if I know something's really heavy on his heart and it's, it's killing him, if I know exactly what he's dealing with, I still want him to tell me about it. I still want him to come to me and feel that he's in the safety of me being his loving dad and tell me about it. So that's kind of how we can look at that with partnering with God. Go to him. Cast all our cares on him. So again, we can accomplish our goals in 2019 by partnering with God. Moving on to point number two. We can accomplish our goals by making a plan. By making a plan. Oh, This is where I really struggle. I don't have a plan. But I know it's good, right? Um, I think... We can all agree this morning that yeah, it's, it's, it's smart to have a plan, right? So, so imagine if uh, we're playing football, right, and we're in the huddle, we're waiting on the quarterback, he's going to come in, he's going to tell us, this is a big game, okay, we've got one last, one last play, and if we score, we win, if we don't, we lose, and it's a huge championship game. Quarterback comes in, he looks at us, and he says, all right, guys, coach has no plan. We're just going to hope for the best. Break. What are we going to say to that? You know, that's no plan. That's not smart. What if what would a pl- what would a platoon think if their commander would send them into hostile battleground with no plans? Okay, we just go in and start shooting? What do we do? You know, you got to have a plan. It's smart. It's not wise to not have a plan. What if the building contractor that you've hired to build your dream home, doesn't write anything down, no plans to show you, you probably wouldn't even hire him. He probably wouldn't even be a building contractor, right? Doesn't make sense. There's a little video, it's ha-ha, hee-hee, you can take a look at this. This is what happens when you don't have a plan for building a bathroom.
1: So here we have the uh, well-placed door for the Jack and Jill bathroom. I'm looking towards one of the spare bedrooms. I'm in the middle of the bathroom right now. I've got the toilet on my right, the door on my left. And watch this. So how somebody's ever gonna close the door is beyond me. Uh, That's the situation there. We've got both doors here. kind of blocking off the tub. And then we've got another one over here. Closes pretty well. But I've got a heat register or deck register right here by the tub. Hopefully somebody's not gonna be splashing water into that. But those aside, this is definitely the uh, design flaw of the entire bathroom. So just wanted to record
0: this for posterity. And there it is. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know who that is, but I appreciate him very much. <laughs> I don't think I've done anything that bad with home stuff, but so we all know that proper planning is very important if we want to accomplish an important project or goal. Most of us, myself included, would very likely I shouldn't say most of us, I'm sorry. Some of us maybe at least me would likely go through 2019 without having any goals written down, any plans. Uh, I I know that I didn't have anything written down for 2018, so I can't sit here and think, yeah, I accomplished that goal, and this is how much I've improved. I don't know. I I don't have anything to measure by. You know, when we take the time to write our plans out on paper, that's pretty important. I think the power of writing out a list and putting something on paper is big. Um, there's studies that actually show that when we, when we cross an item off the list, that gives us an, a, a little small sense of accomplishment, and our brains release dopamine into our systems. And dopamine gives us feelings of, ah, it feels good, pleasure, it, it gives us feeling of, of learning, of motivation. And so when we're motivated, and that's great, we want to do that again, right? And so we want to repeat those actions to be more successful. When we did our move here, Clint had a big whiteboard with a list. And there it was, it was sitting out there, it was fun. And when Jeremy Jeremy was helping that day, and we were outside, and I think we did the pick up leaves. You can go to the next slide. You can see the ones that have JB on the back of them. Jeremy was anxious to go get that marker and cross that off the list when we were done. He was so excited. Dad, can I go cross off the list? I said, please do, but put your name behind it so if anyone has questions about the job, they can go to the person who's responsible for it. So Jeremy was responsible for that, and Clint doesn't have the best handwriting. (laughs) His handwriting isn't as good as his planning, we'll say that. But the power of the list, we got it done. There were other things that were done that day too, they weren't even on that list, and we got it done. So again, point number two of today's teaching is: we can accomplish our goals in 2019 by making a plan. All right. So we talked about partnering with God and making a plan. What's next? Here we are, at the end of 2018. We've got like uh, 37-ish, about right on the money. 37 hours, right? Did I do my math right? Till 2019, that's coming fast. Um, I'll just ask you a few questions while we're thinking about that. Ask yourself, what did I accomplish this year? Am I a better person now than I was at the beginning of this past year? All right, so normally at this time we go through a final song and do a time of ministry, but what we're gonna do today is uh, take about the next five or 10 minutes, and you should have received one of these guys this morning when you came in? On the back of that, if you haven't noticed by now, there's a little goal-setting worksheet. And we're going to take about five to 10 minutes-ish, somewhere in there, just to start writing some of these out. And Clint's going to lead that. But uh, just just to give you uh, perspective, um, bring it on my level a little bit, one of mine is, it's not written on here, I have it written down. I'm setting a physical goal, this year of adding cardio exercise into my, my workout routine. Um, I've been I haven't been doing any cardio. So picking things up and putting them back down at the gym is great, but it's not like getting some good cardio exercise to work my heart. So that's the goal, adding cardio exercise into my workouts. But part of the plan of that to make it measurable and achievable is the first 15 minutes of my workouts in the morning. I'm gonna hit the elliptical or the I hate the treadmill, probably the elliptical. And once a week, I'm going to go on, a, go on a run, like a run around the block, four miles. So that's what I'm going to do. That's one of my goals for this next year. So you're going to come up now or whenever you want. <laughs> um, so so again, let's take some time and fill this out. Quinn's going to lead through that. Um, Thank you for enjoying the message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.